Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's edition of Health Matters. Well, this evening I'm joined in the Johannesburg studio by Dr. Vickers Vermeulen, a urologist in private practice in Wittbank. Dr. Vermeulen, good evening. Welcome to the show. Evening, Colin. And just a reminder, if you need any information regarding Health Matters or if you've missed a contact number, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Health Matters on SAFM. There's also a link on the Facebook page if you'd like to download a podcast of the show. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za. And if you have any questions for us this evening, you can call us now on 0892 Dr. Vermeulen, as we all know, I think it's Movember, so we are focusing on men's health this month. And uh, rather alarmingly, reading some statistics from the Cancer Association, they say that South African men have a shorter life expectancy than South African women, and the rate of cancer diagnosis among men is considerably higher. It's one in six compared to one in eight for women. Yeah, no, that's correct. Uh, uh November is uh, the the men's health month. Um, uh, we definitely need to look at a lot of things. Uh, uh, we focus on 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 awareness uh, for specifically prostate cancer, uh, testicular cancer, and then just generally metabolic and mental health issues uh, with men. So it's not just this year focusing on the prostate cancer and testicular cancer. It's broad now. It's also to do with mental health issues and lifestyle issues, I think, as well for men. Yeah, sure. It's it's definitely developed. In 2003, uh, it was uh, November was started in Australia, um, and it was basically just uh, a group of people getting to de- together and growing uh uh, Mo's for a month and uh, over the time it developed uh, incorporating things like prostate cancer, testicular cancer and uh, in 2012 to give you an idea there was uh, uh, 1.2 million members in 21 countries and uh, a total of, of, of 1.2 billion rand was raised sure. so it's definitely evolved from from just an awareness thing to to what it is today. Um, Last year in South Africa, we had uh, 30,000 participants and uh, 7.2 million uh, rand was raised. I was speaking to somebody the other day uh, on on one of my shows about he was a a testicular cancer survivor and he has two young boys and I think the one is five and the other one is nine or something. And he said even at that young age, he's already starting to tell them. Because I think what people don't realize what men don't realize you know they think of these sort of things oh, it's an old man's illness it's an old man's disease but especially with testicular cancer it can affect young men from the age i think of about 15 is it yes no definitely a testicular cancer or the most common variants of it is a, is a young man's disease you'll find 90 percent of the of the uh, the cancers will be between 20 and 40 years of age and uh, you don't think of yourself getting cancer in that age it is definitely not a common cancer and that in a sense is why it's so dangerous because the incidence is so low uh, people are not uh, that much aware of it Um, uh, but it is climbing every year the incidence of of testicular cancer do uh, go up and we're not exactly sure why that is whether it's a um, uh, you know a lifestyle thing uh, whether there's genetics Uh, your friend is definitely correct there that his sons one day would be more prone to it as a positive family history is an important risk factor for 
for developing testicular cancer. I think in his case, he was saying that, you know, he, a friend of his had been diagnosed with this and oh. sort of convinced him that maybe he should go and get himself checked out. And he sort of went off to the doctor and said, I feel like an absolute idiot being here because yeah. I know there's nothing wrong with me. And they sent him off for the test. And he said, thank goodness he went because it was early detection and he's been seven years cancer free now. Yeah, no, they're very curable. And I think, uh, you know, self-examination um, is probably the first step. Even before you would go to a doctor, it would be a, a good idea to once a month, um, you know, examine your testicles yourself and, and, and feel if there's a change, is there lumps, is it the one bigger than the other, things like that. You get to know them the same like a woman with, with, with breasts to self-examine and uh, for, if, if you know how your testis feels, you will be the first one to, to notice a new lump or, or a mass or fluid collecting around it or whatever. I think over the years we have been programmed as women. You know, we hear about this all, all the time. You know, self-examination is so important. But I don't think that that has been pushed as much for men. Yeah, no, we, we men tend to self-examine a lot, but not our testicles. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I mean, it is still a relatively rare uh, disease. In America, uh, you know, the American Urological Association don't promote it so much. But definitely, if you've got risk factors, if you've got a family history, if you've got um, uh, certain conditions, certain genetic uh, conditions, uh, something like an undescended testis that was fixed uh, when you were young, uh, infertility, they are diseases where they put you at a higher risk. And then you should be somebody that definitely uh, uh, see your doctor regularly for, for, for checkups. Even if you don't find anything abnormal, should men who are in a high-risk category go anyway, maybe annually, just to be checked? That is a, that is a controversial point, but uh, we as urologists believe so. You know, uh, something like an undescended test, that even if it was fixed, uh, increases your chance of getting testicular cancer uh, uh, tenfold. And that, that goes for both testers, you know, not just the affected side. So, uh, you know, I always advise the patient uh, when you go to your GP for your regular checkout or your flu shot, or if you just go and you've got another illness, have a further check if you are in that uh, risk group, you know. You know, the testicular cancer is, is a relatively new thing that we're pushing for men to be aware of. We've been on and on about prostate cancer for a long time now. and But I think men are still very, um, they're not quite happy to go off and have these prostate cancer, or these prostate checks done. Yeah, no, I think prostate, um, uh, by the time you, you reach the, the screening age, you're a bit more comfortable with your body and yourself. Uh, like you said, the young guy, to go to a, to a GP to to have a, his testicles check is a is a bit of an uncomfortable issue, but um, you know that's why we have these months, we have these uh, campaigns of awareness to uh, to promote that, and that's why we're growing mows so that uh, you can talk in public. You know, uh, uh, when you see a guy with a mo, uh, you're free to, to to talk about these issues and and to uh, to hear what what other guys' stories are. Now, can we just talk about the check for prostate cancer? There's there's the rectal exam, but there's also this PSA test. Can you just explain what they are, whether you need to have both of them, one of them, how that works? Yeah, no, definitely both. Uh, the rectal exam and the, the, the prostate count or the PSA count are done together. And there's a lot of guy, guys with what is considered a normal PSA uh, that have an abnormal rectal and vice versa. So uh, in order to screen accurately, you need to do both. And you also um, need to look at the age when you start. I mean, that is also a very 
con- uh, you know, a very controversial thing. Most urologists would uh, agree after 50 you need both every year. And once again, we tend to categorize guys at a higher risk, guys with a positive family history, um, African-Americans and Africans who are known to have a higher incidence. They should generally have their first screening at 45, uh, while the rest of the lower risk uh, gentlemen can go at 50. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on men's health with Dr. Vickers Vermeulen, a urologist in private practice in Witbank. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Dr. Vermeulen, can we talk about symptoms? Are there any noticeable symptoms for a potential prostate problem? Um, yeah, that's one of the big uh, problems is that lots of people think to have prostate cancer you need to struggle to urinate or have some kind of urinary symptoms and that simply is not the fact. You have a lot of benign enlargement of the prostate that will give you these symptoms. But when a prostate cancer is very advanced, it will give you trouble in urination, um, but not early on. Um, when when it gets to a point where it starts spreading to your to your to your to your bones, your vertebral uh, column and your your pelvis, you're going to get bone pain. But we generally don't want to catch it there. We want to get it while it's still confined to the prostate, and that's why we're having uh, you know different types of screening. And I think what, uh, this I think comes from back in the day. Men are a little bit reticent about going for any sort of operation or surgery because there's always been this concern that if they have any operation for the prostate they could end up you know with erectile dysfunction is that all still the case i think erectile dysfunction will be always part of any uh, form of treatment for prostate cancer not so much in that it's a complication but the age of people who get prostate cancer already have so many risk factors they a lot of them already have issues with erections and yes a lot of treatment will will add to that but it's definitely not the case that it's the only only reason for 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 getting erectile dysfunction um young guys we treat for for uh, prostate cancer with surgery or the other modalities they tend to keep their erections much better than older guys so we generally look at above and below 65 years um meaning the guys above 65 they don't do well afterwards and we need to give them treatment for the erectile dysfunction. While guys below 65, if you do, for example, a nerve sparing operation, you still have good results in terms of keeping your erection. The most important factor here, though, is the early detection, because with early detection, there is a very good chance of a good recovery. For sure. I mean, when you have a a cancer that is confined to the prostate, um, your treatment options for cure are more. And the earlier you get it, the more different types of of options do you have? I mean, nowadays we've got surgery, we've got brachytherapy, which is a form of, of irradiation, and um, there's, there's, there's newer experimental uh, focal therapies uh, developing. So, um, But all of them, you can only qualify if you get a cancer confined to the prostate. The moment it starts going out of the prostate or to the glands or the bones, you can't do curative therapy anymore. So the the main thing here is go and get yourself checked because the earlier it's detected, the better chance you have of a good result at the end of it. I, I That is the, the, the message. But like I said, and I mentioned the ages, the, it is a controversial issue because there is also something then detect, like detecting cancer too early. 
And, oh, and, I've never and, heard of detecting it too <laughs> early. Explain well, that. What's that? Well, it's a concept you find with very slow-growing cancers like prostate cancer, for example. So there's a lot of guys that we do pick up that screen very early and you find the indolent cancer that might or might not in the lifetime of the person cause him symptoms or pain. Let me put it that way. There's a, there's, this way. There's a lot of guys dying um, from something else than prostate cancer. Mm. So they die with it, but not of it. So there is a minor risk. If you screen too early or too aggressively, that you will pick up and treat a lot of guys that in the end would have needed nothing, um, you know, and you would have given them the complications of treatment rather than uh, just leaving it, uh, you know, and done nothing. But that is a, is a, is a topic to discuss with, with your urologist after cancer is diagnosed. There is a form of treatment called active surveillance where we just observe the cancer and if we pick it up very early and your life, uh, you know, the chances of you dying from a heart attack uh, or some other chronic illness that you have um, is there, we can advise you to to watch the cancer or actively surveil it, a different form of treatment, without doing you harm of the of the treatment or and also not to cause you to die from the prostate cancer. Well, just so that if the guys listening out there, this, this doesn't mean that you need to actively surveil this thing. This is for the doctor to decide. You know, exactly. don't think, well, I won't bother going now because I'll just keep my own <laughs> eye on it. You know, no, 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 no. You still need to go to the doctor, be checked, and the doctor will decide if it's going to be something where it's just going to be actively I, watched. I think you need to discuss all these things mm. because, you know, nowadays the patient will come to you and he will be uh, read up on all the forms of treatment, including active surveillance. So... Um, it's important to have that discussion with the patient even prior to screening so that he knows exactly what you're going to find and uh, uh, to grade the cancer and to stage it and then to take the different options and decide on which one is best for you. Right, we seem to be having a slight problem with our phone lines this evening. So if you're trying to get through to us, just keep trying. I think we've got it sorted out now. The number is 0892 2010. Dr. Vermeule, and the other thing that, that is also quite rare, I don't know how aware men are and if they bother checking themselves, is that men are also susceptible to breast cancer. Yeah, it's it's quite a, a rare disease. Mm. Um, it is uh, something like 1%, um, you know, of cancers in male. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you feel a lump in a male, uh, it's a good idea to, to, to go the same route as with females. Uh, it's definitely not one of our... Uh, our common cancers, but uh, uh, you know, any uh, any man can get a, can get a breast cancer as well. Right at the very beginning, you mentioned that the the whole scope of Movember is broader now, looking at mental health issues. What sort of mental health is- issues are we looking at for Movember? Well, I I think to tie in with um, once again, men are susceptible to anything women uh, can be, although we tend to uh, <laughs> not admit that. But mm-hmm. uh, when you tie it in with with urology, uh, we have. Uh, uh, there's a there's a, a, a tendency in some males to drop their testosterone, their male hormone, to to a lower level, and that can bring about lots of things: uh, mental issues like depression, anxiety, uh, sleeplessness. Uh, you can get things like aggressiveness, lack of of concentration. Obviously, a lot of sexual uh, side effects as well, but also metabolic things like like unwanted uh, weight gain and and insulin resistance, hypertension, and the whole metabolic uh, syndrome 
uh, for that matter. So from, from a urological point of view, we look out for these symptoms um, uh, and, and then we test your, your testosterone to see whether or not you need replacement. Um, it is a thing that happens slowly over time. And the most sensitive symptom here is, is funny enough, not, not libido and erection problems, but uh, uh, your, 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 your mental things. And there's a lots of guys that come to the practice where they're already on uh, tablets for depression, and then you d- you discover that they've got a low testosterone, and you can replace that, and you can prevent all these chronic metabolic changes happening in your body. The other problem, I was speaking to somebody a while ago who was telling a doctor who was telling me that the problem with men, I'm sorry, I know you're a man, but the problem with men is that they tend to go to the doctor until about the age of 18 because their mother takes them. And then they don't seem to be seen. The doctor doesn't see them again until they're about 30 or 35 when the wife starts insisting they go to the doctor. It's that middle bit when they really should be going off themselves, which then they don't, especially when it comes to testicular cancer. They should be at least going for their checkups at an earlier age. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct there. Um, me, myself, <laughs> don't go to the doctor. But uh, that's just the way we are. And uh, uh, once again, that's that's the, funny enough, the age group that is most involved. If you look at the websites of Movember, it's more the young guys involved and, and, and getting to, to, to get comfortable with it and, and to talk with other people about it and to, uh, to feel not ashamed to go to the doctor to have a... Have a, have a testicular examination or a rectal. Yeah, and we keep going on and on about this up for the guys, but it's just because we care and we're looking after your health. So, you know, please go and We can't go without each other. Well, yes, it would be nice if you guys went and looked after yourselves. It would be really great. Um, right, we have a call on the line. Jay in Durban, good evening. Hello, Jay. I want to Jay, oh, there you are. Hello. Uh, one of the questions now is, um, through blood tests, wouldn't it be possible to because prostate cancer, being um, a blood test. Yes, uh, is it J? I, yes, I just yes, that's right. Um, yeah, well, you know, the PSA count is not so much, it is prostate specific, but it's not specific for cancer. So it's for us a guideline. If it's a guideline, if it's above a certain value, we would then go and do a biopsy. And that is actually your test to pick up the, 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 the prostate cancer. So we will do a sonar-guided biopsy of the prostate. So there's lots of guys with a PSA that would be considered highs or raised, but it doesn't say they've got prostate cancer. It just tells us we need to go and do a biopsy. Okay. My other question or other um, uh, statement is of uh, from men to boys or boys to men, I, uh, this kind of educational thing should go on from a very uh, early stage in their life. Like, you know, when we have a women's group, activity groups, we have a lot of discussion where women to women, we have, to, you know, talks, health, uh, educational, whatever you. Uh, men should get together, boys should get together and have this kind of a discussion so they can prepare themselves, prepare the youth for the later years. And I think uh, this kind of educational thing will really help them. Then they will realize it, it is something that they've got to take on very seriously. 
Jay, I think yeah. that's what. Well, Jay, I think that's what's happening with Movember. As Dr. Vermeulen said, there are a lot of young guys involved with Movember, and they are out there talking about it. And I think this is what this whole campaign is promoting, and what the whole campaign is doing is trying to get more and more young men involved and aware and to talk about it. Because unfortunately, as we all know, women do like to talk a lot. Men <laughs> tend not to want to talk quite so much. So, but hopefully, with Movember, as Dr. Vermeulen says, the young guys are out there talking. So it's a really great campaign. So I think. Your suggestion is fantastic, and because I think that's what they are now trying to get them to do. Jay, thanks very yeah. much for getting. Sorry, yeah. do you have something Thank else? You. Do you want? Yeah, I think uh, not only the men. I think women should get uh, involved in this kind of uh, oh, discussion. They, they yeah. do yeah. Um, as part yeah. as part of Movember. Just as a matter of interest, Jay, before they yes. also have something called the Mo Sisters, and those are the women that also join up with this Movember campaign, and they register and they also get involved with this whole project. So there are a lot of women out there doing exactly that so you're on the right will, track will there be something in the areas like uh, you know like Chatsworth Finney well you, you can actually have a look they have a website Jay. it's www.movember.com and you'll find all the information there it'll tell you everything you need to know about the campaign okay fantastic thank you so much for this wonderful program okay That's Jay. Good. thanks for getting through thanks thank you, good night bye bye we have Kist Nassani in Durban good evening good evening ma'am. hello how can we help you I've been diagnosed earlier this year with uh, prostate cancer. And my urologist told me that he got it a little early, he scraped the testicles or something, and he put me on uh, medication. Now, the the thing that it, uh, I hear about is PSA, the, the, the letters PSA. Could the doctor tell us what the PSA really is? Dr. Vermeulen? Yes. Um, so, uh, by the sounds of your treatment, um, what age are you now um, at? How old are you? 77. 77. 77, yeah. Mm. And, and so you're on a hormonal treatment, and, and that is to, to, to stop the cancer, that bit, but not to cure it. And that was that thing we talked about earlier. When you're at a certain age, you can actually keep the cancer in you know, in check without radically treating it or radically, um, uh, uh, you know, removing the whole prostate, just because um, it's a slow and growing cancer, and the chances of that catching up with you uh, versus something else like a heart attack or stroke or whatever um, is less. Um, the PSA is basically just an enzyme made by your prostate. And um, it will go up with lots of things, with infection in the prostate, with cancer, yes, with, with normal enlargement. Um, but when you have prostate cancer, it goes up a lot. And that is why I'm saying there's no normal PSA or abnormal PSA. Um, it is just to know that when it's too high uh, relative to your age and the size of your prostate and, and things like that, we tend to go biopsy. But what it is very useful for in your case, where you have had the hormonal treatment, it should come down a lot. And that is a very accurate way now to measure um, is your disease uh, responding to the treatment. So if your PSA drops very low now, like I'm sure yours did, then we can take it every six months and we can check. When it starts climbing again, we know your prostate cancer is getting hormone resistant or hormone refractory, and we can start yeah, my giving. My urologist told me that uh, I'm on treatment now. Only after one year will they test my PSA and uh, yeah. my uh, yeah. give me the full checkup. Yes, they put yes. me on a, like a, a, a tablet called Kiva Bicarbonate. 
It's a generic of uh, Catholics. Yes, yes. So that is an anti-antigen, which is a hormonal treatment. And everybody responds very well in the beginning. And then usually two to three years, the PSA starts climbing again, the cancer starts getting uh, clever, and then we add a second drug or a third, and there's a lot of uh, maneuvers. And every time we buy another year or two, um, and we've got a lot of these options, and that's why we buy time. And in the end, uh, you'll be 100 years old, and then something else will catch you. You understand? So we're just going to keep that, that cancer in check with, with our hormonal manipulations. And even at the end of it, we still have a chemotherapy. Well, we've got two chemotherapeutic agents, which we can also use. Um, so uh, the PSA in your, in your scenario is not so much used for screening anymore, but it's used to monitor your treatment. Well, what's the fear that uh, is like uh, the dangerous level? PSA. Well, you uh, in your case, there, there won't be something like that. When we're going to define whether or not your treatment will work or not, is we're going to see if it raises three consecutive times, uh, three weeks, you know, taken week after week after week for three uh, weeks after each other. It raises every time and your testosterone is zeroed out. Then you know uh, it's gone cas- what we call castration resistant actually, and then we'll start doing other maneuvers with your with your treatment. But what 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 is the figure of the PSA? What what was the one they gave you? What what did, what did they tell you that yours was? Four point something. Was this after the treatment? Yes. And how how soon after the treatment? Uh, about uh, two months, three months. I'll still wait with that. We'll, we'll usually do one at six, and then we will call it the lowest level where it stopped. We will call your nadir, or that is the lowest level where it turns. And then that we're going to use as a reference point to see when it starts climbing. But I mean, two months after starting treatment, I don't think there's any 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 worries for concern. And it was probably coming down from something high in any case. Yes, so I think you don't need to worry about that now. It's, it's basically, from what I can gather, it's if if it now goes up con- in three consecutive times after this now. Yeah. But I don't think the baseline where you're starting from is the concern at all at this. Am I and correct, Dr. Familia? Exactly. And the average, uh, the average of uh, of the first, uh, you know, going resistant after the first hormonal treatment is usually about 24 months. Oh, I see. Thank you, Dr. Okay. Well, I hope that helped Thank you. you very much. Thanks Thank you so very much. much. Thanks for getting through. If you have any questions, the number 0892-10-2010, 0892-10-2010. We have had a call from somebody who doesn't want to go on air but wants to know if you can explain more about these radioactive pellets. It's called brachytherapy? Yes. Um, so once again, that, that is a treatment that is uh, specific for cancer that is confined to the prostate. So it's not for somebody who... Um, uh, has glands or, 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 or metastases, uh, you know, cancer outside of the prostate. And it's also not for something, so for somebody who's going to have a very short love, lifespan. You know, it's for somebody with a 10 year plus lifespan, meaning if you're 85 and you've got uh, emphysema, you know, that's not the type of treatment you should be getting. You should be getting hormonal treatment or nothing, you know. So uh, what basically happens there is that um, we work with the oncologist. Uh, we work with the volume of your prostate, and they work ag- exactly where and how we should put these little pellets, which is about the size of a maybe uh, a rice, uh, you know, very small a pellet. grain of rice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we implant it with the sonar in your prostate, and that irradiation kills the cancer over a period of three years. 
Oh, right. So it actually stays there for a while and it does whatever. And then what happens? Does it just dissolve? Or do you have to remove it or what happens? It stays there uh, uh, always. And you get a little certificate so that you go through the airport there in oh America. Okay. It doesn't go off <laughs> and you don't get uh, uh, accused of, of being uh, uh, part of the Taliban. Oh, right. Okay. So it, so that stays there forever. And obviously it, it only is only active for three years and then yes. it stops working. Exactly. But then, and you say it's not, it's not for everybody. It sounds like quite a simple solution, though. Yeah, it uh, it has been given out as as something that is uh, complication free, uh, um, you know, and uh, it's a very good treatment. We use it in our practice as well. But it has specific criteria, and once again, like we said earlier about active surveillance. You need to discuss everybody's cancer is different. Everybody's mm. physiology is different. And um, there's a lot of things we need to look at. It's not that you can, uh, uh, every, it's for everybody. You definitely need to have a discussion with your urologist and, and see if you qualify for that treatment. So it's not treatment one size fits all in, at, at all. Everybody's, as you say, everybody's different. Exactly. So your treatment, depending on who you are and what your cancer is like, depends on the kind of treatment you'll be offered. Just a reminder, you're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on men's health with Dr. Vickers Vermeulen. He's a urologist in private practice in Vitbank. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892102010, Claire and George, good evening. To your guest. Um, I wanted to ask uh, um, a question. I don't know whether it's a silly one or not. But um, a friend of mine um, uh, was uh, speaking to a nurse who says that there are a number of young guys uh, coming uh, up with uh, testicular cancer, and they were wondering whether it had anything to do with the uh, use of laptops, uh, that there's some sort of radiation that might be a problem. And um, I was... Uh, concerned because I have a nephew who spends a lot of time sitting with his laptop. His mother's bought him a sort of uh, thing to put on his lap with a fan to stop heating. And I'm just wondering whether there's any danger. Um, has anything been identified in that respect? Yeah, no, I, I know of a lot of research done in on infertility. Um, and it definitely has uh, uh, some warrant in, in terms of that. Um, in terms of prostate uh, of, of testicular cancer, I'm not aware of any studies or data that will, um, you know, that shows that you have a higher incidence of that. It's definitely not among the risk factors uh, for the higher incidence of, of, of testicular cancer. So, um, for t- you know, fertility issues, yes, uh, I suppose it depends on what you watch on the on the laptop, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, definitely not cancer, no. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Claire. I hope that's put your mind at rest a little bit. Yes, thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Good well, night, you. Good night. Um, another call has come in without wanting to go on air, wanting to know if testosterone treatment or therapy has any relation to prostate cancer. Yeah, that is a, is a very interesting topic, and I think something we started scratching the last five years or so. Um, a funny enough uh, statistic is that uh, a lot of guys with a lower testosterone, we talked earlier about hypogodal men, or, or, or uh, testicular deficiency syndrome. A lot of these guys with lower testosterone have got a more aggressive cancer when they get it. Obviously, testosterone makes um, prostate cancer grow. So 
if you have prostate cancer, you cannot give testosterone. Um, it will, in fact, you know, make it worse. One of the hormonal treatments or the hormonal treatment for, for metastatic prostate cancer is to remove your testosterone. You know, that what, what one of the gentlemen had that was phoning in earlier. Mm. But there is a definite uh, relationship to, uh, between too low testosterone and developing a very aggressive uh, uh, prostate cancers. Um, from my own database of 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 of, of prostate cancers uh, guys treated, there's a lot large minor- minority, about 84% of of patients um, with uh, testosterone that is substandard or uh, below the, the value that you would uh, expect. So there, there's a lot of work done on on that at the moment. Um, definitely, a normal prostate, uh, um, normal testosterone does not uh, put you at a higher risk of getting cancer. But what uh, what we are worried about is guys who are going on testosterone um, without checking their prostate. So what we see is that we've got a lot of guys who've got low testosterone and one of the contraindications or one of the safety things that we built into replacing testosterone is you must have your rectal exam every three months and your PSA. If we see that these things are starting to climb when we do when we replace you with testosterone, then we need to stop the testosterone and first biopsy your prostate to make sure there's no cancer inside. And when it does come to testosterone therapy, is is there a consensus on what testosterone level is low enough to warrant actually going on to testosterone therapy? Yeah, no, the um, the uh, basically the the guidelines or the the way we diagnose this is you must have symptoms and signs of low testosterone and we do that with taking a history and also letting you fill in a questionnaire um, which add up to a symptom score and then when we do the testosterone on the blood we talk of a value below 8 nanomole per liter and that is the value where we will replace you. Um, above 12 we will consider normal and be- between 8 and 12 we consider a gray zone and if you've got really severe symptoms we might give you a therapeutic trial for 9 months to see if we can uh, change those symptoms and signs around and then commit you for, for permanent treatment. But you need to continue checking your prostate for as long as you're on treatment because you can develop a cancer at any stage. Not that the testosterone causes it, but if it's there and it develops, then it will uh, cause Becomes it to, to, more to aggressive. Mm. Uh, grow quicker. Yeah. So if you are going to be going on testosterone therapy for those listening or if you are currently on it, you do need to be checked what once a month well we we check it for the first year every three months every three and months. then we start to check it six monthly and then later on yearly gosh so there's quite a lot of things that men have to go and have checked now they weren't aware of that before they started listening to the show they thought they were having a nice relaxing time but now they have to be like the women who keep running off to have things checked i suppose they most have, have switched off the radio by now <laughs> Well, hopefully their wives are listening and can tell them about it tomorrow morning and make the appointment at the doctor. Yeah. Because that's, that's actually the problem is that men just need to be more aware of um, their own health issues like women are. Right. The other thing we also mentioned as part of Movember were, was lifestyle. What are, mo- are men most susceptible to when it comes to lifestyle disease? Is it just the general sort of heart disease, diabetes, stroke? All yeah, that sort I mean, of thing? I, I think we that, that is one thing that they've added this year is knowing your numbers and they're looking at your blood pressure, your cholesterol, uh, your body mass index, uh, your general fitness level. I mean, cardiovascularly, we are definitely more at risk, not just because we we have the, 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 the male gene, um, it's just our lifestyle. We are maybe prone to more, uh, less active, uh, more stressed. Once again, 
you know, uh, young guys nowadays are, are having a, a much different lifestyle. I mean, I'm in my early 30s, and uh, compared to, to me when I was in my 20s, they are definitely more healthy, more going to the gym, more uh, watching what they eat and 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 uh, things like that, so I think there's a definite change in in men's attitude towards that. So we are getting the message is getting out there basically. I think so. Or it's just uh, women are not looking at them anymore if they've got a. <laughs> so you mean they've got an ulterior it's, motive? It's, it's not fe- that they really wanted to look after their health. Yeah, it's female driven. <laughs> It's, it's always us. We're always the good guys in the story here. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key. And this evening we're focusing on men's health with Dr. Vickers Vermeulen. He's a urologist in private practice in Witbank. If you have any questions, guys, out there, if you want to know anything, please give us a call on 0892 I was looking at uh, some information on your website, Dr. Vermeulen, and I noticed that you have areas of special interest, something called uro-oncology. Would that be something that covers things like prostate and testicular cancers? Yeah, I think uh, uh, prostate is, is probably uh, yeah, is our most common cancer, um, renal cancer, but that would be something men and women get, and bladder cancer as well would be uh, both sexes. I think something that that's done a lot of people know about and is you're probably more shy having that than anything is penis cancer which is extremely rare cancer in the rest of the world but in South Africa for example and in uh, South America are quite common actually much more common than than testis cancer and obviously because it's so common we have done a lot of work on that and and have seen a lot of that um, in our uh, practices and and in the universities um, so that is uh, obviously something that always presents late because the guy will always come uh, 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 very late being shy of the ulcer or the mass on his penis and uh, uh, it's a devastating thing with a very bad prognosis when it once it's spread beyond the lymph nodes. Yeah, that's not something we hear about every day either. Extremely rare in in, in, um, in uh, uh, in Europe and in, in America, um, we've done, in, in I was involved in, in, in the Free State University, uh, me and my uh, partner who works now in, in, in Wittbank, and, uh, you know, there's a, we, we saw a few risk factors that are definitely stronger here than in the rest of the world, and one is the HPV virus, which is a human oh, papilloma really? virus, yes. which would be your... Um, virus that that is a big issue with women with cervix cancer. Mm. In fact, in the guys who had penis cancer, we found a seven-time increase in the partners having uh, cervix cancer. So, um, it is something that uh, that is still not that common, but but much more common than in the rest of the world. Well, the good news there, I believe, is that the government is going to be bringing in the HPV vaccine into the government hospitals. That young girls, before they become sexually active, are going to hopefully have the opportunity to be vaccinated now. That that will be a, a very good thing. I I also would support that, uh, and in males, I mean uh, that combined with the circumcision things, uh, obviously HIV and HPV works synergistically. So um, uh, we we used to see uh, penis cancer in old men uh, overseas. You know, uh, guys without circumcision and chronic infection and irritation, poor hygiene. In South Africa, we see it in young HIV-positive men. So um, it's a completely different uh, way of getting it or uh, pathophysiology, how we end up getting the, the cancer. Uh, definitely something that, that, that also, when you have something that's not belonging on your penis, 
um, go and have it checked out. And if it doesn't heal with STD treatment, go see a, a, a doctor who can do a biopsy of that uh, lesion and make sure it's not a cancer. So effectively, if they're hoping now to ha- inoculate the young girls. You're saying they should be inoculating the boys as well? Well, I believe so. Mm. Um, I mean, we've we've definitely identified uh, no no male is immune to having the warts, which is the uh, the less virulent viruses of HPV. But then you get the baddies, the 16 and the 18, which is responsible for cervix cancer. They are also responsible for penis cancer. Um, so, and there's a lot of things. HPV is involved in a lot of things we don't know yet. Even prostate cancer. There's been a lot of uh, 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 new studies on molecular level where they've discovered HPV viral DNA um, in the prostate uh, and, and trying to link that up with, with uh, uh, prostate cancer. Gosh, okay. Right, Morris in Zanin, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Very well, Morris, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, the question. Uh, you know, uh, I've got a problem of uh, this what called uh, piles, you know. Piles, okay. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, those things, uh, it took me for a long time, you know, I went to, I even went to the hospital, but the, to the hospital, they giving me another medicine, you know. So that medicine is not, it's not cure me, you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I just want to ask you whether uh, uh, this doctor can help me because, you know, even uh, in my ejaculation, it's not, it's not going well, you know. So I don't know what is taking place there. Dr. Vermeulen, would the piles have anything to do with that? Well, um, not, not to my knowledge. I think piles is a, is a very common condition. Um, if it is indeed that, uh, you know, the, the, it's a bit out of my field. But what we generally would do is to prevent any uh, straining like constipation. You would treat that and uh, you must try and not sit too long on the toilet. We always yeah. say no literature, no cell phone, <laughs> don't play on the toilet, uh, and then you're just causing it to 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 get worse. I mean, I think it's 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 now a little bit out of my field, but one needs to look at these things properly because there's a lot of things that can look like piles, and when you explain it, uh, you know it sounds like it, but when you examine the patient, you find something completely different. So I think. Uh, if you have pain in the anus or on any bleeding from the anus, it's once again very important to have a proper examination to make sure there's not anything else, uh, like a cancer of the rectum or, or fissures, uh, you know, or abscesses or things like that. That can also look like piles. But in terms of having, uh, uh, you know, linking it up with prostate cancer and well, he was saying it was a problem with ejaculation. ejaculation. I was wondering if I mean, there's no relation no, between piles and that. No, not not that I know of. But they are not going on the same line. They are not going on there? They, they are not, the pulse and the, and, the, and the ejaculation is not going, they are not going the, the, the No, they are not, they not associated, no. Okay. It's two completely separate things. Yeah, you know, even uh, I, I, I have to go to hospital tomorrow. But I don't know what, what will they do, you know, because... You are not on that field, is it? No, but somebody needs to look at it and put a finger in your backside. That's what needs to happen, unfortunately for you. How old are you now? Uh, I'm, I'm 59 now. The more reason to have one. Yeah. So you need to go and get yourself checked out, Morris. 
Sorry, Morris. Uh, Sorry about that, that, but you need a proper exam. Tell them to do a proper exam when you go there tomorrow. A rectal and a PSA. Okay. All right. No, thank you very much. Thanks, Morris. Okay, bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye now. Renia in Johannesburg, good evening. Hi, good evening. Uh, can you hear me? I'm on air. Yes, we can hear you, Renia. Hi, Karen. Good evening, doctor. Hello. Um, uh, I'll tell you my story very quickly. Uh, about four years ago, I went for a normal check, and the doctor called me back and told me that my PSA was quite high, really high, and he was quite um, nervous about this. And um, they gave me the options for uh, either having medical surgery or do a the, the brachytherapy and there was another one so after watching a video I decided to do the brachytherapy and um, they first did a little operation to find out where it is and for the guys out there that's listening after the whole thing everything went fine you're a little bit sore and a little bit uncomfortable I personally picked up that my hands and my joints were a bit sore I don't know if that is an after effect of but my count came down very quickly um, after about six months. And then it went up quite radical, very fast. Uh, I think it was about eight or nine months. Then the doctor put me on hormone tablets. Now, those hormone tablets is, as the doctor earlier said, for the, uh, I think, testosterone. I'm not sure which one, to bring that down. But what happened? Are you still there? Yes, yes we're yes, listening, Renia. Listening. All right, so after that, um, I found that... Um, the, the hormone tablets was actually worse than the brachytherapy. I had sore breasts and my skin was sensitive. Um, my friends told me, now you know how a woman feels. Too. It was actually funny because of the hormone. Um, and I also felt I was a little bit emotional. I would cry for something. I'm like, you know, I was just not very sensitive about stuff. But that brought the, the, the count down very much too. And I've been going for my tests and the count is... 2.1, 2.4, so it's quite normal for the last, I would say, about a year and a half. Mm. But now my question to the doctor is, I did speak to my oncologist and he said he doesn't advise it, but now maybe now it's time to get a second opinion. I find that my sexual drive was, was really down. It's like, you're not interested in stuff mm. like that. While before this, um, it was normal. I mean, uh, every guy's got his own ways. But uh, would it be possible, can, can the doctor prescribe you with a, with a hormone to help your testosterone or, I don't know, the other hormone, or uh, is that a little bit touchy to start the cancer again? Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you basically started off with a scenario where you had definitive curative treatment and then there was a failure biochemically, meaning the PSA started climbing. Um, yeah. Now, your bailout after brachytherapy uh, would be uh, to go for hormonal free, uh, tr- treatment, and if it climbed relatively quickly early, it might be that the biopsy underestimated the cancer, and indeed it was already outside of your prostate, and that's why, although the cancer in the prostate is treated, uh, the ones outside in the glands or wherever is starting to make the PSA go up. Now, you sounded like you had something like casodex because your breast got sore. Now, for that, we can usually prescribe another drug, actually estrogen uh, uh, blocker, uh, what we call tamoxifen or Novadex, and that can sort that one out. Regarding your, your, your erectile dysfunction, I would probably work you up from the start because, I mean, the treatment you're on is actually... Um, 
it preserves your testosterone. It doesn't bring it down. Um, but you can have lots of other reasons to struggle with it. One of it being psychological issues. I mean, you went yeah. through a traumatic uh, treatment um, yeah, that didn't work. Um, so I, I definitely won't start just off and assuming it's the your testosterone is something wrong. If if you're on the drug, I'm thinking what you are describing. In fact, that preserves your testosterone pretty well. So we'll do you like we'll check you out when you go to your urologist, just like any other guy presenting with ED, looking at all yeah. your risk factors, looking at uh, at your vascular, your nerves, your uh, you know you know your whole complete workup because it might be something completely different why you're not um, having libido or. Or, or sexual drive, you know. I understand. I immediately uh, connected it with the operation and stuff. I wouldn't say it's a erectile dysfunction. I don't have a, yes. a problem with that. So it's more the, the, the urge towards it. Yes, oh, the I libido, so yeah. So maybe it's that. No, no, well, that's exactly. You're, you you don't feel like having sex. It's your libido is low. It's like a, you look at a beautiful person and you think, oh, let's just pass it by. You don't follow up. No, I, I know what I'm saying. I think I know, and that's unlike a man, you know. In all, in all, uh, that's exactly what we're saying. So I think one should look at at, at other things, uh, you know, especially psychological things. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we we are men, but we are also uh, prone to, to to stress and to to things that right. worry us, you know. So I think a, a, a thorough workup, history, and examination from the start, and. Uh, you know, especially if you can get directions, I wouldn't blame the brachytherapy or the hormonal treatment so much. All but right. one needs Must to look at all up. the look at all the aspects. You know. Okay, no, all right. I appreciate that. It makes me feel so. It's some, it's, it's most probably something else because. It's a more mind thing, most probably. Well, we, we we can't assume it, but we can definitely look at all those aspects. And if it is, then we know how to treat that part of it. You know. I understand. I I connected or connected it directly with the operation. Yeah. I'm not. I don't feel like no, it. No, brachytherapy it, can it give something else. Yeah. It can give erection problems, but it not not yeah. the not the libido. It won't it won't take uh, away that. You know. Yeah, this is more a libido problem. But maybe I can just say something to guys just listening out. You guys mustn't be scared to go to the doctor. It's a little blood test they do. They don't. Sometimes you can ask. I don't know. If all doctors do the the finger test. But you can go just for a normal blood test and you know where you stand. Because if I didn't go for this a few years ago, I wouldn't have been around. So yes. maybe it's a good thing for you to go out there and just have the PSA tested. Renier, we need, we need more guys like you talking out, Renier. Thank you. Uh, they must understand that. Thank you, Carl. Thank, thank you, Doctor. Thanks so, much. Thanks, for, thank thanks so much. Thanks for getting through. Good night <laughs> to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Chris in Lambert's Bay. Good evening. Hello, hello, Carlin. Hello, how are um, you? Yes, I want to talk about... Uh, the prostate and the pains what I have in my uh, hips and uh, also uh, I'm coming up my stomach and my bladder also um, contain, c- c- cannot contain more than uh, say 200 milliliters uh, uh, the most it can contain is 200 milliliters and I've also got um, um, herpes number 2 but now I'm, I'm bedridden already I'm 64 I'm in so much pain, it's come up to my stomach from my um, the bladder and my hips and my lower, lower back also. I put it, they're going to, I haven't got a medical aid and I, I've been putting it off. The government, I cannot go to a clinic. I don't, they, 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 I don't think there's any help at the clinic. I've tried it before to go to the clinic and uh, I w- walked out. I am now in the last stages, like you can say, about.
so bad I am. I never had a PSA test before. I had, what must I do? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you um, there's a couple of things that will flag. I mean, any guy above 50, bone pain or hip pain or any pain in that uh, region, I I would definitely do a urological examination, uh, do a rectal, do a PSA and take it from there. Um, I mean, the herpes, it can cause several neuropathic pains um, and especially uh, even if the the, the vesicles are gone and the breakout is is over, you can have pain syndromes from that. Uh, But I mean, you cannot once again assume it's that. I think uh, one needs to look at that the other issue is is the fact that you're unable to store urine now that can be hundreds of things i mean that that you literally have to start at a point and look uh, at things like obstruction uh, at uh, uh, narrowings of 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 your urinary pipe uh, obstruction on the level of the prostate um, uh, you know you're you're living in 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 devon in atoll uh, you know, you can have problems with the with the with the bladder itself, something like Bellavia or any. He's kind in Lambert's Bay. Oh, he's in Lambert's Bay. Sorry, mm. sorry, I was confusing you with okay. the previous guy. Yeah. But I mean, there's 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 with you lots of things, and you generally need to to go to a, a GP or general practitioner and get checked out because there's so many things that can give the symptoms you're describing. Yes, and the uh, pain in the, the lower part of my stomach is unbearable. I'm living on yeah. an opiate uh, painkillers which I get unprescribed uh, uh, at the moment by the chemist. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I'm not sure what the state of primary health care is. is doctor, there where you primary are. primary health care you can forget about, doctor. Yeah. That it doesn't exist. There's no service because there's no service. No, and uh, I mean that that is a a thing that 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 the first guy you need to see is a GP, a good GP that can do a thorough examination. And sometimes these symptoms have nothing to do with urology at all. You know, it can be something like a systemic disease, like diabetes, can give you all kinds of uh, a bladder symptoms, even though there's nothing that's, wrong. That's with very bladder. true. I thought no, thought about it. I had a couple of appointments. I made. Uh, actually, I'm living with somebody which is uh, a practitioner, uh, not in the same house. But uh, he, 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 he got so bad now, just by chance that this program is on tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to monitor that clinic. I hope I will be able to get up in time because the blood got to go before 10 because of the distance. Mm-hmm. What must I ask him besides the PSA test to be done? Uh, uh, at, at that clinic for the government. Well, I, I mean, I, I hate to tell examination, you know, I mean... Uh, 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 he won't, I won't let him do a rectal examination <laughs> because we're too close together. <laughs> and that's the only person yeah. no, in, well, the, in the I, area I mean, around in the circle. Uh, okay. Chris, we've pretty much got 30 seconds, so if Dr. Vermeulen can give you an answer in yeah. 30 seconds. Uh, he fine. said I, he says head to tail, I pretty think, much everything. I think uh, uh, your place for you is a GP, um, and and it's unfortunate that you that you uh, have the trouble to access something like that. But they are the, the gatekeepers. They are the screeners. You know, they examine the guy from head to toe, and they uh, send you on to the specialist you need to be, or they manage disease if they you could. You will only so. be able 
to do a, a stool uh, uh, test and the blood test work. Can you give me an idea about the? No, I, I, I don't think you need to go for special investigations. You need to get an examination, a history and examination before you do all kinds of tests like that. Chris, I, I think just go and get yourself checked out tomorrow. But thanks you very much indeed for getting through. And sorry to Jan in, in Cape Town and Jeff in Johannesburg. Unfortunately, we have got run out of time. So hopefully next time. My thanks once again this evening to Dr. Vickers Vermeulen. He's a urologist in private practice in Wittbank. And he's been my guest on tonight's edition of Health Matters. Dr. Vermeulen, thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening. Thank you, Corbin. If you need any further information, you can take a look at wittbankurology.co.za or prostatecancerfoundation.co.za. And for Movember, it's www.movember.com. Remember Facebook page Health Matters at SAFM, or sorry, Health Matters on SAFM. Email me healthmatters at safm.co.za, and I'll be back tomorrow evening at nine with time to travel. Stephen Kirk is up now with some nighttime music. Hi, Stephen.